Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. It's good to be back together on the on the podcast. I know. So the E&M booth, we haven't actually spoken for ages. We've been off doing our own thing, but we've we've got loads done. So well done, us. Yeah, it's been great, really, hasn't it? It's it's, it's what we're all about is um, making it inclusive and also reaching out to to teachers in classrooms not just you know those on twitter but bringing more people in and expanding the the english and maths community yeah completely i think that's one of the nicest things for me is um i've spoken to some of your colleagues you're speaking to some of my colleagues and it, it it's that tales from the classroom that we really wanted to amplify and capture definitely some something you said um has, has really got me thinking actually Sammy which is about um you said English and maths always get lumped together yeah and it, and it's got me thinking you know why are we lumped together and you know it's obviously because we we come as a department in a college it, it's it's best fit to put English and maths together the core skills the resets together but essentially you know I, I'm not sure how many people are aware that they're very very different in how we run things and how the exams work and you know the the learners are different in English as to what they are in maths. I was very worried that when you said something you said got me thinking I was like oh I hope you're not going to spill some beans of our private conversations on here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah essentially essentially we are two completely separate entities often in my opinion lumped together in colleges. Um, My only knowledge of why this would be is because of the funding streams Mm. Uh, because that's essentially how colleges get the funding is if students study English and math so it it makes sense like you say their core skills they're put together but like you say they're very very different and I've just literally just started looking at the tag um nightmare no plans College. I've not quite got over CAG yet so to bring TAG in it's like yeah. it's another nightmare but um yeah and we're very very different even the mock exams that are happening um as we're trying to get more evidence in there's there's completely different approaches so maths have gone down the route of um creating a custom paper across all three of our papers because we've got three papers yeah um, and then trying to make it out of 80 marks which is what one paper's out of and trying to make a mix of calculator and non-calculator because they're different skills. And English have chopped two papers in half and put them together. So it's completely different. Yeah, it's um, it's it worries me, actually. It, it worried me to begin with the, 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 the CAG tag approach um, and, and how we're, you know, as a as a country, how we're going to go down it because mm. you want the best for your learners in the in the classroom don't you and the, and the other learners within the college and you want best for all learners but uh, you immediately start to think of individuals and you immediately start to think mm-hmm. of um, certain groups and how they've been taught and what they've done and and it's really it's it's really difficult process this isn't it it's not a one size is going to fit all um, and what works again in certain you know we're, we're bunched into vacation areas so what works for maybe um art might not work for media won't work for construction won't work for you know home beauty because they've all been taught in a different way or they've all been upskilled in a different way um and that that's part of, of what we do isn't it you know we we have a scheme of work but we can divert to meet the needs of learners and that's the teacher discretion that i talk about 
all the time is that the, the student sat in front of you is the student you're teaching. If you're teaching the specification, then you're in the wrong job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as, as harsh and as crude as that sounds, if you're going to deliver lessons, and I know our friend Lou Mycroft talks about delivery as though you're like a post person, but I think there's some sense in that. I and mean, I still use delivery as a word, but I am conscious of it. But if I'm delivering the specification to my class, I'm not really teaching then. I'm just a mouthpiece for the material that I've found or created. If I am teaching the students in my class, I'm creating experiences for them to develop their understanding. Mm. And I think there's two differences for me there. Yeah. And as well, um, you know, we were so, something else that, that just kind of links into this. is something that I'm really keen to find out. And I've had a couple of conversations already. Uh, I posted that on Twitter. I'm interested to see what the support is from those learners who know they're not going to get the magic for those learners mm. who are not um, who are already preempted for that and then they come to college and what is the journey of support that we're offering and what mm. is their expectation um, by the time they get to college you know I'm not talking about taster days where we, we throw them in and say oh you know if you, if you don't get that four this is what's going to happen um, talking about what what are we what are we saying in those classes what are those conversations like how are we building them up to be um, almost resilient to that grade and um it got it gets me thinking about you know what you were just saying there about when when they arrive and we're planning you know we plan with the big picture in mind don't we um and we we were looking at the start of of this year um at the 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 schemes of work that came with um the exam board and it's essentially just half the year was dedicated to paper one and half the year was dedicated to paper two and it it really it really aggravated me because um you know this is what they call a reset year and it's not about re-churning out the skills. It's not about just throwing every single skill at them and doing it for a bit longer. It's about, you know, having to find out where can we, you know, upskill certain skills. You know, if they're really competent writers, mm. is there anything we can do to, to upskill that writing to make sure that when they go in, we know that their reading ability or their reading comprehension structuring questions might not be 100%. We work on that, but we we play into their strength of you're a really great writer. Let's use this as a as a positive and, and move forward with it. Um, and that that's where you know the meeting the needs of the learners go. But also, um, like you're saying, you know, it's we, we can't just throw out the same content. We can't do what we're yeah. doing at, at at schools. And also, um, it's it's the same thing. It comes back to isn't it where we we can't keep the same scheme of work every year, you know, and I don't, I've not taught in um, secondary school, so I can't speak from that perspective, but um, whether or not they do that, but we, we cannot keep the same scheme of work because we have learners that have potentially been here for four years. You know, they might've gone from level or level one vocational to a level um, three year, two vocational. That's four years in college with four different teachers. Again, if we repeated the same text, the same structure the same thing you know that's not useful it didn't work the first year so it has to change there's so much in what you've just said there um so julia smith who we've had on here um she always says um it has to look and feel different to get a different result yeah if it looks and feels like school they're not going to get the four absolutely because they had umpteen hours 
with core subjects versus the minimal hours that they get with those in college Mm -hmm. and it didn't work so there has to be something that changes so I like your approach of like um working on their strengths and another guest we had on um was um James from Matt's Kitchen and he said you work uh, you you play to your strengths and you work on your weaknesses Mm. and I think that's a nice that's a nice mantra and I've sort of held that in my heart since he said it from a school's point of view um I, I have worked in schools and I have taught the kids that were not going to get the four. I mean, my my man, my remit when I worked in schools was 100% pass rate. And that was 100% of students had to achieve a grade G. Um, and that obviously in the A to G days. And that included me rounding up students from the local community centre who were being educated off site. That included me working in the alternative provision. That included me visiting homeschool students. That that was my remit. And, you know, I was successful. 100% of students achieved a grade G. But did I prepare them for what was coming next in college? Probably not. Were they ready to resit GCSE maths? Absolutely not. Should yeah. they have set something different? Yeah. 100% yes. Yeah. But, you know, you work with what you've got to work with. Absolutely, and yeah. Interestingly, one of my students from that time in um, schools actually reappeared at a college I was working in some years later, but she reappeared in um, a foundation studies programme. Wow. And that just spoke volumes to me. Yeah. That this this student was now in her 20s, um, was still at college, so had gone past the four years that you were talking about in terms of yeah, being yeah. at college, but was still in a foundation studies programme because they had assessed her and believed she was at that level. And actually, on reflection, I probably knew that in my heart when I worked in school and I taught her, but I had nothing, I had no leeway to give her. Um, yeah. And I know schools are different now and there's many more wonderful things happening in there, but, you know, very often we we identify different paths that are not traditionally available in the school system in FE and that's the beauty of FE mm. is that you can carve a different path um, for students but something you're saying there about the transition team in the colleges I've worked in transition teams from schools to colleges have gone through many guises they've gone from being extreme marketing machines where they would go and drag students in from schools <laughs> and be like come to our college it's amazing we've got shiny new buildings I've yeah. even seen I've even seen bribery of like come to our college and you'll get a device and come to our college we'll pay your bus fare and all those sorts of things that happen and I get why they have to happen yeah. but I've seen a real shift in the care that needs to come with it now so there's there's this hybrid model in um one of the colleges that i've been working in where you've got the the transition team have their marketing arm going out and getting the students in and then you have the almost like a pastoral team welcoming them in and going right you're coming to college and we're going to need to look at this this and this but i still think there's so much more that can be done on that for colleges so much more like you say about the messages of you're not going to get your four, so how are you going to mentally prepare for resitting maths and English again? Yeah, I mean, there are there are let's not be naive. There are always surprises, right? You know, like in mm. any in any case, I'm not just talking um, students from a lower level. It works with students from um, a higher working level who are maybe aiming to get a four and they come out with a five or a six. You know, we, we've seen that ourselves from when um, learners reset. Um, but I think that. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know enough about the process myself to, to throw out decisions and, and, and make, you know, judgment and whatever. But for me, it's about finding out how we can support them as soon as they get through the door at a level one, brand new from, from um, school, in order to have that, that honest conversation. I, I speak about honest conversations a lot because I don't feel like I have enough of them or open mm-hmm. conversations maybe where we're saying, you know, it's kind of been um the door's kind of been shut for that hasn't it with with the CAG situation we're not in a position to to talk about those kind of things at the minute grades so that that's you know completely shut down but you know when when they start um we we do the initial assessment we look at the, the previous grade and we have that kind of baseline um judgment that we have but actually um you know we do get to know them through building relationships but but when they come to us I think we we need to do a bit more like you were saying maybe it's a pastoral thing in mentally preparing them for getting to us um yeah. because because when they're at school the class sizes are bigger as well aren't they you know we can't forget that class sizes are bigger they come from different settings we're putting learners into english and maths groups um some are from alternative provision some of them um, come from um maybe a sixth form as well that maybe not have worked out and they've some might have been homeschooled and exactly, never yeah, been exactly. in the classroom and that's that's been really common for me the last year. I've had quite a few students who missed out because of the CAGs, because they didn't have enough evidence. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really sad, you know, really great students. But, they, you know, they, they could achieve. And um, But, yeah, th- there's something about the process that I think we have to prepare students for, which starts with that mindset shift, doesn't it, of that as well, you've not failed you've yeah. not failed it just hasn't worked but you're we're going to help you and we're going to learn how you we're going to learn about you and how you learn and how you absorb information um and, and you know what you're interested in it's it's a very different experience from school it's much yeah. more mature I think a lot of what Mars said when I spoke to Mars on the podcast sort of comes into this as well you know she devotes a serious amount of time to this when she welcomes students in but something as simple and I'm not saying simple as in it's a simple thing I'm saying simple as in for a teacher to put into practice was her letter to math yeah where the students write their letter to math yeah and I think I wish I wish I'd done that I wish it was my idea but it sounds so simple to put into my lessons that come September. I think I think I'm going to do that. I'll tell you a brief story about um, uh, CAG last year, and like you were saying about personal, and you think of individual students. I had um, a student last year who was working on the front line um, throughout the whole COVID pandemic. Um, actually, stopped attending lessons a couple of weeks before lockdown because was needed at work. Was an adult learner, mm. um, and was resitting math. I think it was for the fourth time. It might have been the fifth time, but it, it certainly had been a long time coming. And they needed this math to make progression in their career. They couldn't become an accredited person unless they had this math, even though they had all this experience from working on the front line. And I came to do the CAG and I sat down and my heart was like, well, they have to pass because, the, you know, this is the situation. They have to pass. And I, I, it was really eating me because I checked the evidence and the evidence said that they should pass too. And then I started to doubt myself and I thought, well, hang on a minute, they failed it four times. They must be rubbish in exams. Perhaps I should mark them down because if they were actually sitting the exam, perhaps they'd come out with a worse exam result. Um, And so I had to take it to the head of the department and sit with them and say, right, this is the evidence I've got. 
what would you tag this student? And they came out and said it would be a five. Um, and I'd been really cautious with a four. Um, and we actually went on UMS scores in the end, so I was able to vary it slightly. And ultimately, this, this student passed with a five when the CAG came out in the end. And even when the results came out, my heart was still going, wow, that's amazing. But my head was still going. But you know, in an exam, they go to pieces because mm. that's why they've done it four times. But I had no evidence of that because in the mock exams in the classroom, they've been fine. And, mm. and it was such, it, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to stay. I mean, what are we, a year on now? And I can still vividly remember it. Yeah. But it, it's that, isn't it? You start to think of the individual students and you have to go on the evidence. But then yeah. there's that little voice in the back of your mind going, you've got no control when they sit in that exam hall. Yeah. Anything could happen. You could be predicting them to get a two and they could have got a four. You've absolutely yeah. no this, idea. This is it, isn't it? And, it, and this is about... The, we have these conversations actually don't we on um when students arrive these are the conversations we have because you know and they, they come in and they say oh I was you know two marks off a four or or whatever mm. um and then when you find out some some learners it was all day specific the bus was late I couldn't get in on mm-hmm. time I overslept I wasn't well had to care for my mom uh emergency happened you know these are real life situations that are happening in our learners lives and that has to be taken into consideration as well you know when they start and how we can move on from that Uh, because that that has a massive weight doesn't it you know they think that because they've attended that emergency situation or whatever happened to them that day they carry that with them for the next however many years um as like a holding point don't they you know well a few years ago this happened um when uh, and as well just thinking about cags um i cried on results day last year I sat and yes. cried at the results and I was I was overwhelmed for, for some learners because their grades had, had gone up from, from maybe what we were anticipating. Yeah, um, a, lot ha- a lot of that happened. And yeah. a lot of, I mean, I had foundation students, not in my class, but at my centre where I was teaching, um, who came out. So their foundations, the highest they can get is a five. They came out with sevens. Wow. And th- this, is, um, this is important to note for this year with, with teachers, isn't it, that we... Um, we have students in with a with a prior grade that we're asked to use, um, but it maybe hasn't reflected this year accurately their their working ability. So yeah. may, whether that's higher or lower, um, because we you know there are learners that maybe you put down because you know genuinely that they could be a one, their grade was inflated to a two. So that English teacher then doesn't have that capability maybe in some colleges to say actually that could be a functional skills learner. Um, yeah. depend on how you, you work the functional skills and that's a shame because then that's taken away from from that learner that ability to achieve in a different qualification as a yeah like, yeah, is, like is, the example is, is I give yeah that yeah. different path that FE gives students we're, yeah essentially we're, we're narrowing the options that are becoming available because of this tag system yeah. and this tag system however that still ends up and you know we're we're recording this ahead of time, but we are still really close to where I would feel comfortable knowing a little bit more about tags and what's needed. Yeah. <laughs> like a little bit more information. But I think that the the beauty of FE is that everyone is welcome and we just have to hope and trust and just give a big props out to all the teachers listening that you're oh. doing a great job and just get yeah. to know your learners. And the learner that's sat in front of you is the learner that's there for you to teach and shape them however you want to shape them 
Oh, absolutely. I think that's a lovely point to end on, Sammy. Oh, it was accidental, but there we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely a quote somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we don't know where we're going to end up in the next few weeks, but hopefully, um, you know, after all this process is over, we'll have a, a podcast to reflect on the journey. Yeah. We might be slightly hungover, though, by then. But, yeah, thanks for listening. (laughs) Catch up with you soon, Sammy.